I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room. What's up, everybody? This is Carl Seaton here for uh, our very first inaugural episode of our podcast. Currently, doesn't have a name right now, but that's under development. So you know, we get that together. Yes. You know how we do. Yes, <laughs> the name we had, we don't. We, we, we start we, a project with no name. Yes, yeah. we gonna we gonna add it on. We gonna tack it on. Yeah, because the name we had, had someone has already or a version of it, so we got to modify. Uh, so, exactly. So why don't you call it? Uh, um, Hold on. Let's introduce no, you first. No when name. You start black. Talking. Yeah, this is John Singleton. <laughs> Why don't you call it the No Name Black Director <laughs> podcast? No Timothy Tyler, the No Name Carl Seaton. I like it. The No Name Black the No Name Black Director podcast. <laughs> hosted by Jeff Bird, Carl Seaton. Well, right. once again, my, my name is Carl Seaton, and I'm Jeff Bird, and we are here with the esteemed, visionary, iconic director John Singleton, the man, the myth, the legend. Yes, brother. That Thank you for joining Singleton. us, man. Thank you very much, we brother. Appreciate yeah, yeah. you coming out on a Sunday. Oh, Saturday. Saturday. Sorry, Saturday. 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 Yeah, Saturday is like even worse. It's a Saturday. Yeah, yeah, so we Saturday. appreciate that. We appreciate, appreciate your time. So we'll make it quick, man. We'll jump right into it, man. Yes, so sir. Take, take me back to the beginning, man. So what was your family life like that allowed you to even envision yourself as becoming a filmmaker? Um, well, I mean, hey, I, I, there was no precedent for a person like me to even have a career as a director uh, or, or in you know entertainment in particular. I knew no, nobody... Nobody in my family had even done it before. Um, um, I lived between my mother's house and my father's place, and my, my, my mother and father were teenage parents. And um, I think it just uh, it was just one of those things that uh, I wanted to do at an early age, and that I kept pursuing um, from an early age on to how to figure out how to do it. You know, what I mean, I I wanted to become a director at the age of nine um, when I saw Star Wars. Because it was the first movie I'd seen more than once, but even before then, um, there were all these seeds that were laid for me to to think about this as a a viable option for what I want to do. My mother lived next to a drive-in theater in Inglewood called the Century Drive-In, um, and I, outside of her apartment, I could always see uh, movies, you know. But they were they were slasher movies, horror movies, Halloween, and black exploitation movies, and. You see Pam Grier's breast and stuff mm. shaking out the windows. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, um, Bruce Lee movies, martial art movies. But what it was is that they got my kind of my visual acumen going. So whenever we, um, I mean, you know, I don't know how y'all grew up, but when you when you're young and grew up black and you don't have a lot of money, you maybe go to one or two movies a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you don't go to a lot of movies mm-hmm. until you get to be a teenager, and then it becomes one of those things. You go to the movies with your friends, you mm-hmm. go to the multiplexes, you get in one, sneak in a next day. But when I was a kid, I didn't see, I didn't go to the movies a lot. I didn't have a lot of money. I, I would go to the movies that if they didn't have a babysitter, they would take me to the movies. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you know, and I would have to watch grown up films. Um, I felt it's funny later on as like. 
when I became a filmmaker and I got a little money, I went back and saw all the Disney animated movies that I never saw. <laughs> Seriously, I know it sounds corny me saying that because every time there was, you see the and the Disney movies come on TV, the advertisement of it, I want to go see it. But we didn't have the money to go do all that mm. kind of stuff, right? Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, so um, I mean, that was what it was for me. Really, really like um, seeing stuff on the screen and then interpreting things and. Over a period of time, I really realized that most of the, the movies that were made, the people who in it didn't look like any of us. Mm-hmm. So when I started thinking about wanting to be a filmmaker, you know, I, um, I was like, wow, you know, it's interesting. I still didn't have any kind of like um, cultural or political capital to say I'm going to make movies with black people in them yet. Uh, you know, my, my favorite filmmakers growing up were, right, you know, Spielberg and... Um, and um, um, Martin Scorsese, as I got in high school, I really got into Scorsese movies and, and, uh, and Stanley Kubrick and stuff. I started going to revival theaters where they mm-hmm. show the old movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, like they used to have these late night movies, um, these 12 o'clock, you know, you go watch Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. I first saw, I read Clockwork Orange in, in junior high school, mm-hmm. but I didn't see the movie until, I read the, the book in Anthony Burgess' novel in junior high school in like seventh grade, but I didn't even know there was a movie. Really, know there was a movie uh, until um, um, I saw it at a revival theater in eleventh grade at twelve at twelve o'clock at night. Wow! And I was like, "Whoa!" And wow. I read the novel first. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and that started really beginning me going. And it, it was like, um, you know, I knew about Gordon Parks. I knew about the history of uh, of, of, of of black cinema um, um, going back to mainly like we know like the black exploitation age but mm-hmm. I never really I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't know who Oscar Michaud was mm-hmm. I didn't know you know I didn't know about Melvin Van Peebles I didn't know any about that stuff really until I got to college you know mm-hmm. and it was um, when I was at, going from high school to college that um, that um, I, I heard about Spike and Spike Lee um, who hadn't had a movie come out yet he was a he was a friend of a family friend he was going to come out with this movie because she's got to have it. Um, he was trying to finish the movie and get people to invest in it. And he uh, he had premiered it at uh, the San Francisco Film Festival, and it was lauded, and then he went to the Cannes Film Festival with mm-hmm. it. But before, before, before he went to Cannes, um, he was having a, he was having trying to get finishing funds and came to, to here and they would have you know some people were he was showing to some people and a friend of his that that went to Spillman when he was in Morehouse said you remind me of Spike you know I was in this program called Axel mm-hmm. in the MSP I made mm-hmm. this film um, you got to meet Spike gave me a flyer you're gonna come with me Spike my mother wouldn't let me see it because mm-hmm. she found out there was nudity <laughs> and then, you know they was fucking mm-hmm. in the yeah. <laughs> you know she didn't tell me I wasn't gonna see it she just wouldn't let me use the car mm-hmm. oh I thought it happened so she was just being really careful with it so then when the movie came out the first night it came out I said um, I knew I only knew that it came out only because I had went the week before to go see uh, Kurosawa's Ron, which was mm-hmm. um, which was still showing in theaters. Mm-hmm. And and before the the before the uh, the, the, the screening of Ron, they had a, a trailer to She's Got to Have It. And I said it was a Spike and uh, he was selling tube stocks. And I said that's the dude you know Tracy said I should meet. So I I knew it was coming out a week later, and it was it had been showing in New York for about two weeks previous to that. So I came, you know, I came to the theater, and um, he was outside the theater passing out buttons and doing all this self self motion. I said, you know, I dropped her name, said I'm here to see a movie. I want to check it out. Whatever this, he said, okay, cool, check it out, right? 
And I went in and I saw it, and I was like, I was a revelation for me because mm. that was the first time I, I mean, I've seen movies of black people in it. I loved Eddie Murphy's movies. I mm-hmm. loved Richard Pryor movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I loved, you know, I loved the, the great films of the early 70s that happened to have black characters in it that whatever, whether or not it was Claudine or Sounder mm-hmm. or Latest Things of Blues and stuff, right? But this was the first movie where, for me, I felt that the black people were really fully rail-wanded people. They weren't archetypes. They, were, mm-hmm. yeah. they weren't mm-hmm. gradations of good and bad. Yeah, three-dimensional. You know, three-dimensional, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It wasn't like they didn't play that color shit where the bad guys are dark-skinned. Absolutely. Good guys, right? It was really just black. So I came out theater and I was like, you know, I'm, you know, I was I'm 18 years old, man. I'm like, I'm excited because I'm going to USC film school. You know, I'm nervous because I'm going to have to go in this environment. Ain't none, nobody like us there mm-hmm. anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm looking, I saw this movie and I was galvanized. And this is before he put the books out yep. and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he and I always talk about this when we speak because sometimes we speak on stage together. And I'm like, I'm standing here in the crowd. And you know, you know how you first start and you see somebody famous and look at him, oh, you know, you just seen the movie. I'm looking at him and oh, this is his first movie. He's like maybe 31, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 18. And, um, and there was this Hollywood types all around him, you know, some white folks around him and stuff, obviously trying to get him to come to this party. And then he moved him out of the way. Spike moved him yeah. out of the way. He comes to me and says, what did you think of the movie, man? I said, I said, man, I loved it. It was like, you know, it was black, black people in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's beautiful, you know. I'm so happy for you. I'm going to USC Film School in two weeks. Watch out for me because I'm coming. That's what mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, You know, yeah. you're like, yeah. he's like, I'm coming with it. So then I went to film school, and for four years, you know, I would see Spike every, every time he had a movie come out at the book signs mm-hmm. or whatever, this, this. But, you know, I'm one of the only, only black people in the whole department writing and stuff. Me and Macy Gray. Macy Gray went to film school with me. People oh, know I, Macy know, I did not know that. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I Macy, did not know that. Natalie, her name was Natalie McAvoy. She was a screenwriting major. Me and wow. her were the only two people um, that were in that department. And I was like, you know, when you're at USC, some, certain periods of times, can't knock it because I love it, but a lot of people whose family are in the business go there. Mm-hmm. So they have the attitude, especially you know, most of the white people, like, you're never gonna do this. They're gonna go like you know one spike me in. And I'm like fuck. Mm. I'm John Singleton, yeah. motherfucker. You gonna right. see? Mm. I, mean, like, I was. I was. They called me like. They called me um, militant and a black supremacist. Oh wow! <laughs> and I'd be like, because I was just like, oh wow. I was up in the fair con. I was anything I could do to make them feel uneasy. I was just into right. <laughs> And I was like, and they would say, no, you know, they're not going to let that many people in. I was like, and my attitude was like, fuck y'all. They told all y'all stories. You know what I mean? You know? Like, I said, they ain't told my stories. We have an opportunity to tell our real shit. And, you know, like, and, and I was just so, so off the school, my whole thing was, um, even if I was nervous and insecure about the reality of what the business was or whatever, I was going to make that a reality for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my attitude was, the four years of film school, I was like, I'm going to treat this like, I'm trying to get to the NFL. Mm. Like I'm trying to just like I'm trying to get into NBA. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna study as much as possible. You know, even though some of my classes, the international film classes, if I didn't like the movie, I fall asleep and shit. Mm-hmm. I'll go back <laughs> and look at it before the test or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'll try to you know figure. I'm just, just like let me figure this shit out. And so my philosophy was, I, I came up with this philosophy. I said because I really loved movies of like Spielberg. I mean, I mean not Spielberg, but at the time, but um. Scorsese and Coppola mm-hmm. and a lot of Asian filmmakers and I said 
as 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 long as I can get really really culturally specific, and, and I kept and what Spike was kept at the time was kept a black film aesthetic. You need yep. to have a black mm-hmm. film aesthetic. aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And what I took from that was we have to have films that are really uniquely who we are. Mm. You know, and even further, when you listen to hip hop music, mm-hmm. if you don't know some of the shit that we're saying in some music, you mm-hmm. can't really understand it on a different level. Right. You can be a white boy loving hip hop, but mm-hmm. if you they lived in you. Hear what people are saying. So my thing was like, I gotta have stuff in my films that are so uniquely black. Mm. You know, Woody Allen's movies, and at a certain point, you know, if you weren't Jewish and lived on the Upper East Side, you wouldn't get some of the jokes. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have stuff in here that's so black that you were like, you know, so when I was working on my projects, when I was Boys and Hood, whatever, like he says, you know, hey, fix the couch. You know what I mean? You, you, You know, you, what's the plastic? You sitting on the <laughs> right, right, right. You, you get that job. Right, right. you, yeah. you, you live that. You live that. So I, that was my whole thing. Was like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna create my own black films aesthetic that is unique to who I am. You know what I mean? Um, instead of like okay, I got to be like Spike. I got to be like this. And that's what I think got me um, to do that film like a month out of college because mm-hmm. I was like my attitude was like. I, at the time, I was like, "Shit, I don't have to do nothing else. Who cares if I'm flashing?" Man, I I came out. I said, "I'm gonna do. It, I'm gonna be like the first round draft pick out of college, and I was mm-hmm. first round draft pick." So, yeah, he, so, he found his voice early, early. Yeah, very so, early. So let me ask you this, John. Amazing. So, where did you get your confidence from? That allowed you, my to, daddy. Your father. Mm. Okay, my okay. daddy. He walked around like you know he was, you know, he was the only dude on the block that, you know, only father on the block that actually whatever. He had a magnum right by his bed. The shit happened. The boys yeah. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, like you know, he's bad. You know, all the chicks. You know, mm-hmm. knock a nigga out. Like he was like, he's like, you know, he talked to Pat. He's like that dude. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, you don't talk no shit unless you can back it up. Right. Yeah. You know, so you know that's what I was taught. Okay. So let me let me ask you this. Tell me about your very first short film. The oh. very first one. Well, the one I did for them, like, they the NAACP Axel. Yeah, they didn't um, they didn't um, put me in the program. They didn't put oh. because uh, it was um, it was um, it was about this. You know those sky mod dancers and shit. You know, yeah, they had the sky, yeah, mm-hmm. sky, mm-hmm. sky. Mm-hmm. You see my scooter outside? <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's a tiny scooter, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember um, how the boys just do with the pork pie hats and all those? Mm-hmm. Well, I had a dude a boy. in mine in high school named Robbie, and he was into all that shit. And um, he had, you know, he had the trench coat, he had the glasses, the so I made this whole thing, and it was like, every person in high school, always, the first thing you do with Super Age, you make something about suicide and shit, right? Mm-hmm. So I was made a riot thing about this black dude that was so into this white girl who was blind and blue eyes that he committed suicide. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Put it in that blissy piece. <laughs> and they hated that shit. Oh, wow. It was like... <laughs> oh, wow. Is that, that controversial? Oh, wow. Wait, wait, you made it too controversial for NAACP? In high school, they didn't even... They, they said... And I, so I, I didn't go to like... I didn't go nowhere other than here. And they, did, they didn't take it national because they... They didn't tell me that, mm-hmm. but I just know now why. I yeah. knew why afterwards. My mother said, "Well, John, you know, you made a do it. Made a thing about a black boy that kills himself over a white girl." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, "So." <laughs> and I wasn't in the white, white girl. <laughs> and then I didn't know. I didn't. That had no idea that it was controversial. I said, oh, wow. "He's, you know, he was fake. He was a fake ass dude. Like, mm-hmm. and he's like, it's like, it's, 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 it's a comedy. Yeah, <laughs> That's so, not funny." So, so did that rejection? <laughs> Hinder your momentum in any way? No, or no, you just no, paid it no money. No, you just no, kept no. it moving. Now, what's really funny is um, um, that 
when I went to USC and I started making different, you know, because some of the first shorts you make, you make a, um, a Super 8 and you can't use any sound. Mm-hmm. And each one of them got really interesting and really topical. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and so when you know, um, you know when you you know you know you, you went to school in Chicago, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know when you make the you make those shorts, they you sit around and talk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just show your short and you deliver. So I sit up there and say, see what these motherfuckers gonna say about my shit, right? <laughs> and everything I made was making them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so what I said to myself was. Well, the shit works. Mm. If, it, if, I'm, if I'm making them uncomfortable and nobody's saying anything, like I'm making movies about like a black, a white dude that like is like he's bent out of shape about being about around these black people. Mm. <laughs> and they said, "Well, are the black people making him sick? Or are they making him scared?" I said, "Well, they're kind of making him scared because he's never been around uh, um, anybody different than him. Like mm-hmm. you know, like and it's like, and so I knew I had something. I knew I like okay, if I can." do stuff that's to make people uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know certain people uncomfortable then I'm getting an emotional reaction out of them mm-hmm. you know yeah. so those now, that answers that, your question now did that play into boys at all or was boys really more like no, boys, a, was, a, 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 boys a, was more like like your biography boys is more like a bi- biogra- autobi- mm-hmm. semi-autobiographical it's the movie that I went to film school to make it's mm-hmm. on the it's on the application to go to film school. It's mm-hmm. at, um, it was called The Summer of 84, the title. Oh, I never okay. wrote the script, but they tell you, you'll see, write down three ideas for movies. Mm-hmm. And so my, I, I have different things and different titles, and then one of them was called The Summer of 84. Mm-hmm. And it was like three friends grew up in South Central Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it was just three sentences about it, but I didn't even write the script until three and a half years later. Oh, wow. And I, and I wrote the script because, going back to Spike, um, I, I went to a private screening of Do the Right Thing in Hollywood, and um, you know, by then we're on the first name basis. Like my friends think I'm big shit because <laughs> he, he knows you, he knows you. And then we go see the movie. He comes out triumphantly. This after it went to Cannes and everything. He walks out. He's with Rosie Perez. I never forget it. Rosie Perez, Monty, Monty, Monty Ross, and all these people. Uh, uh, all these people. He's coming down here because Spider couldn't drive at this time so mm-hmm. Monty would drive him everywhere and my friend's like go say hi to him go say hi to him I said man fuck him I don't want to say hi to him man because I was so intimidated I said this movie was good <laughs> <laughs> man go say hi to him I said no I gotta go fuck it I gotta go so I went back to my dorm man opened up I started writing boys in the hood mm-hmm. that fucking day wow. I was so intimidated I was like I was, a, I was going to my senior year I was like I was like, you know, when you about to graduate, you're like, mm-hmm. I had to do some shit, right? <laughs> right, right? So my attitude was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tear this motherfucker up. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, that's all I did was like, from seeing, from day I saw do the right thing, I went and bought, started working on that script. How many drafts mm. of uh, Boys in the Hood? I didn't rewrite a lot. I yeah, really. I was okay. lazy. Wow. I didn't even outline the shit. I have to say this to people, but I outline now. I outline through it fluidly now, mm-hmm. but I didn't even outline it. Mm. I knew that just how, came out of you. I knew how I wanted to start it. I knew how I wanted to end it. And you know, there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of elements in that movie that are like from other movies that they help the paradigm from it. You know, the Stand by Me. Mm-hmm. There's um, mm-hmm. there's elements of The Godfather. There's elements mm-hmm. of of all kinds of coming of age films. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, um, yeah. Um, there's a little bit of uh, ironically John Hughes in there because it's a teenage movie. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, te- mm-hmm. it's a teenage yeah. movie, but yeah. it's, it's it's my kind of like formative like, teenage years. So. 
Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. And now and going through that though, and then now tracking that, and it's, it's 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 amazing. It's so funny. We were talking earlier about the whole Spike Lee influence, and it's a, it's amazing that actually Spike has influenced you as much as well, even from the standpoint of being on the on the West Coast. So, it, but that has kind of been a theme to your to your films. It's kind of like a lot of West Coast, yeah, you know, stories, and that was something you know on purpose. Yeah. For you, and you know, but then, but also it until, resonated until, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Until I get to, yeah, well, wasn't her success, but got a lot of other people doing so called what they call hood movies. I have pros. But I got to have more hood movies. Like, yeah. I was like, most of these people that are making stuff about the hood ain't from the hood. Like, you know, like they ain't mm-hmm. from the environments, the urban environments are from. When you made one week, you know what I mean? I mean, um, I'm saying, like, when you know, that shit in Chicago, mm-hmm. that was Chicago, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. felt that yep. shit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. These people, there was mm-hmm. people, all these people making the stuff mm-hmm. that weren't from mm. the here. world. Yep. Trying to create, trying to fabricate. When you're from that, that place, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's you, a much more genuine experience. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. a more genuine experience, right? So, um, but it's funny because I did, um, I did, you know, th- I did um, um, boys. Poor dresses and how I learned it, and then you know my attitude was I got to get out of the, I get on so I made made Rosewood, mm-hmm. and that was a whole other experience. You know I was like, you know, you know another reason I did it was um, it, one it was a different story. It was in the South. Um, it was uh, I was hesitant to do it because you know I had the stereotype of. Uh, that a lot of people, black people have that there was no black resistance in the South. Mm, right. And that's mm-hmm. a lie. That's yeah, a lie. That, was, yeah. right. that was a narrative that was built for us that 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 never was true. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They mm-hmm. wouldn't have put so many forces against us if we hadn't tried to fight back all the time mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. bondage all in. Yeah. And um, I, I met those people who, some of the people who survived the, the, um, the massacre, and it was like they were in their 80s at the time. And um, there was a woman who was a young girl at the time that was telling me the stories, and it was everything I could do was not cry. Mm. And then I walk, I was about to walk out the room, and this sister, she was one of the descendants of it. She was this big old sister, man, big, you know, she had the arms, like, mm. this stuff on her arms was hanging, there, mm. was hanging on her arms, and she cornered me. <laughs> mm. And I said, she said, baby, you have to do this movie. And I said, ma'am, I'm going to try. I'm going to say, she says, no, baby, you have to do this movie. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said I'm going to fi- try to figure out whatever, you know, try to, I wasn't giving her Hollywood time. I was just really trying to process everything. She says, listen, then she cornered me. She put me in her bosom and everything. Uh. <laughs> she said, she says, the only two people that can make this movie, you are Steven Spielberg, and we don't want him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy to do it. And I said, I said, okay. So then I, but then when I found out, I was doing the research for it, and I found out that, that there were people coming back from World War One who were soldiers coming back to the South, and they were shooting back. Mm-hmm. I said, "Okay, I got a through line in this. I can, mm-hmm. like, you know, I have, I have this. I can do it through, you know, like a mini western because I'm interested in, interested in westerns. Mm-hmm. It's like I can have this character come, you know, come mm-hmm. in, and he's the arbiter of change. Yep, you know, so like a man, like a man having, with no name, kind yeah. of. When Bing Rand started shooting them crackers back yeah. in, one, yeah. of us, one of us got nervous. They were oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I remember watching that film, and when he started shooting back, there was you—you the, you can hear anything because everybody was cheering. The whole yeah. audience, every black every black person was like, "Yeah!" yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I had John Voice like, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "This is war. This yeah. is war. Yeah. We're in war now. That's, that's mm-hmm. the whole thing." Like, I was just gonna say, every time I every time I worked on that movie, every day. Going to work and coming home because we had to drive like maybe forty five minutes to, into the swamp. The I would play uh, Bob Marley's uh, yes. War. Wow. Yes. So my whole thing was like, mm. "We're at war. This yeah. is a war." 
I was gonna say I was I was just I was hired last year, John, to write the Black Wall Street movie. Okay. So my one pitch to them was, I will not make the black people be weak. Exactly. I said because we're going to be compared to your movie regardless. So I was like, they got to be able to fight back. They got to be able. Well, to, well see, I didn't tell them soldiers that. on that. I didn't shit. tell them that. I just mm-hmm. when the, Warner Brothers was making so many movies that at that time that. Thirty million dollars was like you know the only thing they said was don't be like your friend Spike Lee and I said yeah. I said why are you saying that and at the end of it it was like I was they felt I was worse than because like, <laughs> we're gonna send somebody down there and have you you know take your dance and everything and I was young and stupid twenty years old I was like you get somebody over here I'm gonna get some some crips and some muscle yeah. and they, and, and, and we're gonna film it and put it out. <laughs> we don't want to see the black people right. fighting against their own oppression. Right. Oh, yeah. so I want to ask you, man. So <laughs> specifically yeah. off Rosewood, what's, what's one thing you know now today you wish you could have applied to that experience? That experience, I don't know. I mean, I I think everything went pretty much right on that. I mean, there was no. I mean, I, I could not have made the movie. I, I can't say I could have been more diplomatic. I can't say I'm whatever. I couldn't have been there because I did, I did a movie, me, my black ass, working with a whole lot of rednecks mm-hmm. in Kissimmee, Florida, and befriended people who were joking. I, I started drinking at the time. Not to, not, not to get, be an alcoholic, but I would go out and drink with the rednecks because mm-hmm. I had to make them work for me. Mm-hmm. So I, like, mm-hmm. I would socialize people who wouldn't even think about talking to you and me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember one dude said, you know, he's like they, when they drunk, they get comfortable. He's like, ha ah, you, 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 so cool. You know, this is this is. He says, I'm gonna tell you something. I wasn't gonna say this, but I, I think I'll tell you this. My great granddaddy used to own slaves, right? Oh Jesus! And I said, I said, I put my arm around him. I forget the dude's name. I said, Well, I'm gonna tell you something, right? It says what? It says. You my slave now. <laughs> That's how far we came down. <laughs> Come on, let's do some more shots. <laughs> and we get so drunk and whatever. Yeah. But but the gaps were just really bridged because we were really everybody regardless of where they were, even even in Central Florida where Trayvon Martin was murdered, yep. by the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Same place. That's mm-hmm. where we showed Rosewood, where they called the police on me for playing jazz music in my apartment. What? Um, what? Wow. Um, um, people were really concerned and wanted, thought this was a story that needed to be told, even the people who down there. Mm-hmm. So we bridged those gaps by mm-hmm. being a, being a um, I, I say movies, making movies is like a circus company. Mm-hmm. So all these di- disparate types of people who never would have socialized with each other became part of a collective. Mm-hmm. That's what happens mm-hmm. when you make a movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not everybody in a, in a film set or whatever has to think alike or be alike or love each other, but you're part of a collective. You you make an army, and that mm-hmm. army is 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 uh, is moving things forward. You know what I mean? Making, yeah. making the story to what it's got a bit to. So, yeah. and and speaking of that, you know, because I think you know, yes, it's a collective, and the army moves forward under under the under the, the direction of the director. And the leadership of the director, which yeah. you have been yeah. on the field and off the field. And yeah. on the field, meaning on your sets, and also off the field, meaning, you know, the, your leadership to the black community. Yeah. Uh, how do you kind of, you know, weigh the both when it comes to your filmmaking? Do you feel like whenever you do a film, and especially now have you, as you've grown, yeah. uh, whenever you do a film, is it, do you take your blackness to that film? Do you take your, 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 take everything. Do you take your I, responsibility I do, I to black do, people? I film, film with no black people in it and take all my blackness to it and make it better, make people have more flavor. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, ironically, I don't stand on any kind of like, 
political thing once I do anything or okay, you know, I'm you know, I'm not like that at all. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm a folksy kind of person, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm really into pop culture. I can get along with anybody. I, I don't like anybody to to have assumptions that I'm a certain type of person because I'm black either. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That I don't that I'm not well-rounded and and um and um you know, basically informed on, you know, mm-hmm. on um current events or historical events or, mm-hmm. or anything or or open enough to other cultures, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I hate people. I hate don't people. I hate people like that are uh, they're condescending towards you because they think you're a black man and you don't, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. That shit pisses me off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, in Hollywood, you've seen that, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like and I don't but I also don't feel like I have to prove myself like, okay, you think one way but I'm actually smarter than you, you know, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, don't, I I just I'm older now. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to be I wouldn't say I was an asshole. I think I was more of a chip on my shoulder because I, I think I was, when I first got in this business, I was insecure that it would steal my soul away. Mm-hmm. So okay. I was really, really hard on myself and people around that I had to, I don't want to say stay insular, but I'd seen so many people that I made fun of, and we all know what that is, mm-hmm. where they just didn't become, they, they got everything they wanted, but they lost who they were. Mm-hmm. And they had mm-hmm. that, they, what they say, in the sunken place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. never wanted to be that person. I just mm-hmm. wanted to be who I was and be successful as I was going to be. But just, because when you, when, you, when you compromise yourself to a certain degree, you, you have a fear. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Bernie Mac told me that when he was alive, God bless his soul, mm-hmm. he used to tell this joke. And he used to talk about um, a dude and he was so beaten down by white oppression that every time he said something about white people, he said, you know what? I told that white... <laughs> <laughs> He's looking around, y'all. He's looking over his shoulder, y'all. I told that white <laughs> I wasn't raised like that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? My, you know, my family, I wasn't raised like that. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think Hollywood was actually easier for me than what came before, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know? Another question for you. So... At your birthday party, <laughs> somehow Tyrese got the mic. <laughs> but he talked. Yeah, he, he said a whole lot that night, but he did say one thing that's really profound, man. Mm-hmm. He said there were a lot of people in that room that night whose careers were you are totally responsible for. Oh, yeah. So, what planted that seed in you to say, not only am I going to prosper, but I'm going to launch and birth others? And not just actors, because that's a whole litany of actors whose careers you've launched. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about filmmakers, writers, producers, and so, and mm-hmm. so forth. Well, man, well, my whole thing is like, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. I mean, I, 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 when I started in the business, um, the crew of the Boys in the Hood was 90% black. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All the department heads were black. You know what I mean? Like, you know, all the, you know, everyone's black. You know what I mean? Like, and so, uh, mo- and most of all the crew, the actors, except for, for uh, at that time, Larry Fishburne, mm-hmm. hadn't done a movie. So that worked. So <laughs> I was like, new and next. Mm-hmm. You guys all know that, you know, in the music business, it's always about what's new and what's next. Mm-hmm. Well, I had, and very rarely in my career have I had the opportunity to work with stars or um, people who were established. So I had always... Um, I'd always wanted to, you know, continue to work with people that were new, new talent and stuff. And mm-hmm. new talent is uh, easy to work with. New talent is just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. New talent yeah. ain't complaining about, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. you're not giving me enough attention today. Mm-hmm. Just happy to be there. New talent when you're working on some other scene. New talent is on the cutter like, 
<laughs> smiling, she's smiling. in the way like I can't believe these motherfuckers let me in here can I, can I watch can I watch <laughs> watch them here just learn something you know like yeah. you're telling it trying to like you know yeah but you know um, so that's what that comes from Pretty much, mm-hmm. mm, and, and then they get big, and then they change on you. I was about to say, I was about to say, you you made them that. Then, then you then you made them. They come, they circling back. It, it's funny. Where's to my see. double pop up? Where's my gym next to my, my gym, my gym next to my thing? Mm. Right. It's funny to see like the um the the friendship that you and Spike have grown to have, mm-hmm. and 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 actually in the in the pantheon of of filmmakers. Well, we, when we we did we is when we were can and can together, and boys was in in can and jungle fever was in can. We made a pact on the beach, on, on, on the Riviera. We said, well, if we have a problem with the other, we'll take it to each other and talk privately. We'll mm-hmm. never let the white press or whatever hear any kind of dissension between the two of us. That's, that's, dope. that's dope. That's dope. He and that's I dope. are the only ones that ever had that. Wow. that the dope. Hughes brothers didn't, didn't take that note. Uh, they did not. <laughs> you know, and they're that, brothers. That, that wasn't my fault. That was like something between them and Pac. Pac put me in that battle. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. But I mean, like, you know, but but yeah, we've been like that because I've always I've always considered Spike a big brother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know I wouldn't have a career that I have if it wasn't him. When I came in, you know he was kicking up dust so much and kicking their ass about getting more of us included in. Yes, you know getting you know getting you know yes. <laughs> damn near almost black film reparations for all the bullshit they did and 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 the narrative that they yes. had for us so so many times. So you know they didn't wasn't even looking at the potential of what I thought or what I felt even though I, I feel like I'm even more like on this shit right <laughs> like you know like um, um, it was like we need an alternative to him so I, I was able to do my movie a month here his six million dollars you're 22 years old I mean, that don't happen now no that won't, it don't not. matter how fucking talented you are mm-hmm. and I hadn't even had a, a short film mm. I had a script I was a screenwriter mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It, you know it was, it was unprecedented yeah, it was. I, so, I remember. So, to, the, to, so to yeah. explain this transition from the script to directing the script, did mm-hmm. you have to pitch a vision? Was it a, was it a big no. meeting with the execs? How, it was how a big meeting with the execs. Uh, me and Stephanie Lane mm-hmm. and um, yeah, Michael Nathanson and Frank Price, um, who was the head of studio at the time, who still reads my script, the head of studio from um, from Columbia, Frank Price. I give him whenever I finish the script, I let him read it and say he gives me notes. Oh, okay. Um, and. Um, and so uh, they 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 uh, read the script and said, and um, I remember Michael Benson said, well, you know, we read your script, you know, it's good, and we hear you want to direct it. And I say, yeah, I'm going to direct it. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, so. I said, yeah, I said, if you guys don't want to do it, somebody else is going to do the movie. I said, my, where I'm from is, you got to have game. Yeah. Right? yeah. The only way you, somebody, you get somebody to do what you want to do if they think somebody else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, so you come. So what makes you think you're going to do You can do this movie. I said, well, this is the movie that me and my friends talked about when we ride on the bus back from a bad movie. Well, yeah. This is a movie that we want to see mm-hmm. made, mm-hmm. and I, w- I said, "This is where I would do it," and then yada yada yada. And I said, "And plus, we don't need to have real helicopters. We're gonna take a real xenon light yep. out of the windows, put the sound in, put the sound in, right?" Mm-hmm. And then, um, and uh, Frank was like, you know, he he greenlit the movie, and um, he said that I had um, um, he had met, had met a young filmmaker with that much confidence since Spielberg. Oh wow! Mm. Oh, you know wow. I mean. So I say, like, cool. You know, but my two was they they're not gonna fuck with me because ain't nobody gonna come down here to where we are shit. Yeah, ain't nobody coming down. <laughs> ain't nobody gonna fuck. <laughs> hey, nobody's coming down to South Central. And, 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 and that time it was like 
That was, yeah, that was yeah, hot. Yeah, it was hot. It was hot. It was bricks. Yeah, it was. It was no joke. You know, but we was there. But we we had an all black crew and. I put half the neighborhood and all my friends in yep. it. So mm-hmm. we were shooting in the 60s, mm-hmm. in the roller 60s. There's people in the Crenshaw scene. Would you see, you see the scene where, like, where, uh, where uh, Doughboy and the Bloods face off? Mm-hmm. Well, there's people in the shot that aren't even alive no more. That just wow. cast mm-hmm. it. I met. I said, hey, you going to come over here? You want to be in a movie? You're you going to come here? I mean, the dudes are like, this, these dudes mm-hmm. are like, and so for for the brief period of time in which they was alive, they was like hood stars. Cause like you was in that movie too. Mm-hmm. But we put everybody. In it. People wanted to be in the movie. I was like, you know, if they had personality. They, I mean, I still do it on Snowfall. If I see a face, mm-hmm. if I see a face that's interesting, I'm like, hey, come over here. We, yesterday, two days ago, we were <laughs> shooting in a location. It was near the in the rain, and this dude was like, I forgot what Crip said he was from, <laughs> but he, no, he was blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was. And um, and he was a uh, he was actually he was actually slinging dope out of, <laughs> out of this old lady's place. But I didn't know that until after I got his number. He had an interesting look. I said we got to cover these tattoos up that you got here because they didn't have that in '83. Mm-hmm. But he was like, but he had an interesting look. You know what I'm saying? Like this mm-hmm. that that was from that time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's good. To, and like, y'all put him in the shot. No, I took his number down. I got his email address, and I'm like, you know, okay, well we have something here. With it. Call that dude up, you know, if he ain't if he ain't locked up again. That is a possibility. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep it real like that. So walk walk me through this, man. Give me an overview. How do you prepare for a film? Man. As a director, yeah. Um, by just going over the script, um, tooth and nail, and then um and letting it breathe. Like you look at the scene as it, as it's read, and then and then you know, you just sit up and then think about five different ways you would do it, and then you think about the, what's the most simple way to do it to visualize it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then and um, and then you, when you get on the set, you have a certain set way you're thinking about it. But then you just let the actors go do the um, the rehearsal, and then you just modify the blocking. And sometimes it's exactly what you thought about in advance, and sometimes it's something totally different. Yeah. You have to be very, very malleable to what is going to be. That depends on the scene, too, because if it's an action scene, then, you, of course, everything is pre-visualized, mm-hmm. and you, um, you storyboard everything. For Rosewood, I, had, um, um, I, had, I, I storyboarded the whole movie mm. as I was going. I have a book this fat of every image in Rosewood. Wow. Because it was an anamorphic movie. Mm-hmm. Wow. My, um, my storyboard artist, Peter Ramsey, who's a, who's a director himself now, he does animated movies, he's doing the Spider-Man movies. Oh, nice. You know, he ended up, after doing Rosewood, he ended up working with Coppola and working with, um, um, no, before Rosewood, he was working with, he was with Dead Dracula before that, but he was working with Spielberg, David Fincher, everybody, and, you know, like, so mm. I, love, I love sometimes to just figure it all out and sometimes I just like to like, make it like jazz. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Four Brothers, Four Brothers was damn near a jazz movie because we were like, you know, the action scenes were set out, but the dialogue we were changing on the fly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we have rehearsals with the dudes, I was like, this is only going to work if most of the movies improv. So mm. it's like all um, I would challenge everybody to come up with the best blurbs because brothers always talk shit to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, each other. they blurb them right. Mm-hmm. Each one of them talk has something to come out of. And the only person that was the, the top one who could talk the most shit was Mark. Mark, yeah, right. Mark always came up with the funniest shit. Like, mm. as like with the, you know, but everybody had, you know, that's what made those guys really, really um, 
seemed like brothers because they had that camaraderie. They could join mm-hmm. each other, but they had love each other. And then we went out and party like every other night. And then it was like, you know, we you know, we go out, me, him, Tyrese, uh, Andre, and uh, Garrett Hedlund. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, every movie has a different kind of like vibe to it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. Now, with that said, just to, because to, 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 you were involved in the golden age of filmmaking too, and, and, and our current uh, golden, golden age of filmmaking. Not, no, black, not black filmmaking, uh, just filmmaking in general. Uh, golden age which now is it's TV. mid-70s. Well, I'm saying the golden age of our current. Okay. Because yeah, okay. obviously, you know, yeah. you know, Do the Right Thing kicked that off, and Boys, and there were so yeah, many, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and you went beyond that. And then now, Going into the golden age of what's television, mm-hmm. you know, you're very present in that. From having done, you know, Rebel to now Snowfall and your other stuff. I mean, it, it, do you? Obviously, you're not finished with films. We, no, we know that. No, no. But you know, being in both worlds and you know, developing both worlds. I mean, not that you have to choose between the two, but what's the difference between the two in your in your mind in regards to to, to what you bring to the table for that? I mean, I bring the same thing to the table, but film, uh, television is just more immediate and like you. Mm-hmm. you you write it, you shoot it. It's on within you know less than a year. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, um, and you can. It's more. Uh, pro, yeah, it can be more prolific. You know, mm-hmm. I'm doing. A, I can do a movie every other week. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Every in every every episode is like a small movie. That that's the way I see it. Um, and it's no less challenging, no less topical than uh, what we do in film. Um, I look at film now as in painting on a, a huge canvas. And mm-hmm. it's like you know, it's rare to like get the the thing to actually paint you know on a huge canvas, mm-hmm. you know. And the, and the television, it's like you're painting on a smaller canvas, and you're doing different pieces. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at television. Uh, okay, so, I like that. I like that. So it's not that I just made that one of the. Oh, I, love, I, I love that. <laughs> Sounds great, man. I love that. Hold that on, that was like, John. That Hold on, like that was jazz. That's too. Good. That was, that was, like jazz. That was like, that was like jazz. You and Coltrane on the screen, motherfucker. That's what's up, man. John got bars. You got bars over here. That's the thing. I thought that was something. I thought that was something you've had for years that you've been saying, but you just made that up on the spot. Okay, you heard that here first, people. Can I can I ask him a question about Snowfall? Yes, which is one of my favorite shows right now. Yeah, by the way. I love the entire show, but when we go home with my dude and they're in the hood mm-hmm. with his homeboys, mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like, because I always wanted to see Boys in Hood as a show. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, now I get my show. Yeah. I feel like to some extent, was that where you were planning to go with that at all? Or? No, not actually. It was just an extension of the events in Snowfall happened before Boys in the Hood, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was a time, even after Boys in the Hood came out, there was no way anybody was going to do a show on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's just really like for me it was it was watching what was happening on television at, at a certain time from the Sopranos to, to to Breaking Bad and saying these are self-contained worlds that are interesting to follow different characters and mm-hmm. I was thinking about what's different and special about me that I can do what nobody else can do very well so I was like I want to do something that's really so LA that it's just a mic drop like LA mm-hmm. this is what made pop culture what it is and it was mm-hmm. really that's why I came up with the idea of that like okay you know the proliferation of, of cocaine into the crack trade is what changed pop culture it changed music changed fashion changed changed politics it changed everything yeah, it did so it I wanted did. to do a kind of 360 and show how you know that happened with that show yeah mm-hmm. I've had t- long talks with friends of ours with friends of mine about just how life was it's like Crack is pre-crack and then after crack. Yep. Yeah, and everybody was affected in one way or another. Well, yes. well, well. Um, they say that there are these different canons in the Black American experience. There was slavery. Mm-hmm. 
Then there's a civil rights movement, mm-hmm. and then there's crack. crack yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. crack is the only thing that ever made black women leave their children. Yeah. Heroin did not do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Heroin did not do that. That's yeah. amazing. And we still we still kicking. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Motherfuckers throw everything on us. Yeah. yeah. And we still we still kicking. We still come out the other babies. side. We still like fighting these motherfuckers. Yeah, putting mm-hmm. us in jail left and right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Shooting us left and right. We's like, okay, we're doing it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> still. So I got a question for you. How do you deal with disappointment in this industry? I let it ride off my back. Yeah. I used to get angry and and um, immature about it. That's the whole grudges. Mm-hmm. Couldn't go to certain parties because I'd be like, people not even thinking about the shit that they pulled on me years <laughs> ago. And I'd be like, hey, what's up? Remember you said this? No. So I'm like, now nah, I just let it go. I don't even, it ain't worth it. Now, how'd you get to that point? Am I, I don't know if I still am. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm sitting here trying to convince you. <laughs> oh. I'm, trying, I'm trying to sell you on something that I'm trying to sell myself. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, you know, it is what it is. You know, it is what it is. But don't, you know what, though? I think, but I've done a lot, I think because I've done certain things to circumvent that, that I got some stuff over that it makes me feel better of some of the stuff that I didn't do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But don't you ever change though, man. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but I, when, I think, well, the two, two moments, two, two, for me, the two John Singleton moments that they galvanized in my mind. When I first met you, you I, I met you, <laughs> I met you on a Spike Lee shoot. We were, I was a PA yeah. on, on uh, I think it was a, the Prince video. You came down. It was a oh, okay. Money Don't Matter. Okay, you yeah. came down and you were on set. I remember Spike introduced me to you, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, dude, right? That's you oh. all." Yeah. Then and then out here, when I moved out here, when I first moved out here, and you and I have a mutual friend, Lelania, oh, and I remember I was so charged up from working with Spike when I first moved to LA. And I was like, okay, well, we need to have a meeting. I want to have a meeting at my house with a bunch of black directors, and we need to come together and do all this stuff. And we need to be connected as black directors. And Lelania is like, well, I could, I could. I said, can you get John to come? Can you get John to come? And she says, she was like, I could, I could talk to John and see if John's <laughs> gonna come. And I, and literally, I remember she went and talked to you, and then she came back. She, she told me what she said. She said, she told me what you said, which has, which changed my life. And he said, he said this. He said, look. Yeah, Jeff's cool and everything like that, but nah, we're not going to his house. It's like, you know, he just moved here and thinks he's gonna get all the black people together <laughs> <laughs> because he's in town. And, and, and he said, he's, he, and listen, this is the quote that I use for people. He said, it's cool and all, but you know what? I love Jeff, but Jeff, he wants accolades without accomplishment. And I still use that. <laughs> yeah, I still use that to this Say day. That again. Real, he boy. said, he Say wants that accolades without accomplishment. What has Jeff done for me to come over to his house? <laughs> and let me tell you something. That oh, hit that me like dude, a ton man. of bricks, and, <laughs> and I tell people that to this day. I tell people not that you said it, but I, I do when when it's that's the title third, of the episode. But I John. say to people, it really influenced me because I was like, you know what, John is right. What what have I done? It inspired me <laughs> to do some stuff and get some accolades and win some things and 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 make people notice me because I of don't the fact go to people's house who have done one a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, that, I just didn't want to come over your house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> 
like that. Oh, I was lazy. I was out doing something. Oh, it was, but it was a great moment. And, 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 and I remember the lady face when she went to tell me. She, she was like, she didn't want to tell me, but she's like, well, you know, this is what it said. <laughs> was I working on Baby Boy there? I think you were. I think yeah, you were. Yeah, because you would. Yeah, yeah, because you and her rolling were, were rolling a lot like on she daily basis sister, back then. Yes, yeah. and I was like, I was, I was like, oh, okay, oh wow, all right, it hit me. And, <laughs> but, but I love that you dropped jewels like that. That's why I'm saying don't ever change because the you that you Some are. Some stuff I say, and I'm just like, and people look at me like, did you tell that person? I said, <laughs> did I say that? I said. <laughs> I don't have no filter. I was just like, oh gosh. But I think it's amazing, and I think people learn. I learned from that, and it made me a different. It, it grew me as a as a person, yeah, yeah. and not just a filmmaker, but it grew me as a person. Yeah. Like you just said, speaking to yourself in terms of getting, you know, getting your getting stronger in regards to what people do, what people say, and and wiping up because you probably didn't even think twice about it in, afterwards. It wasn't like you were holding some Jeff Berg grudge. It was just like, nah, I'm not going over there. I'm not going around. I'm busy. I got I got shit I'm doing, and 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 why? I got and why? shot list to do, man. Exactly. Yeah. And I and, and, and I love. That you are unapologetically <laughs> you, mm-hmm. and and it, and it speaks to your work, right. and it speaks to actually, to, to be honest, if we're keeping it real in this podcast, it speaks to what you did for us on 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 on, on Rebel, yeah, okay. and how you set up that directing slate on Rebel. When me, I know for a fact that you know the company that we were all working for at the time, <laughs> you know, uses uh, yeah, you know yeah. white directors within their within their 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 um their slate of directors, which which I always scratch my head about, and the fact that you were able to get all of us on there. Yeah. You know myself and Carl and, yeah, and Sheldon it. and Sally Richardson, it, Whitfield. I mean, and that was you. Mm-hmm. You know, that was literally you putting your your, your John Singleton foot down. And I I, I applaud you and I thank we you. Y'all still it. working? And we Absolutely. are still working now. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks to that. Absolutely, still working. Still thanks working. to that. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It, it meant it meant a whole <laughs> lot to me. I know it meant a lot to Keep Carl working. too. Yeah, Keep working. Yeah, man. yeah. So, next question: mm-hmm. How do you deal with difficult actors? Mm. It's hard because. Well, I, I used to just, I used to, I couldn't do the stuff I do now. I used to, I used to be physical. I used to be cursing them out. <laughs> the stuff that I used to do, I wouldn't be in the business now. And so, oh, you know, yeah. but I don't, you know, now I just don't hire them, you know, but, but, mm. but you know, I mean, sometimes difficult actors are just because they're real passionate. Mm-hmm. It depends on if they're difficult because they're difficult, if they're going through things as a person or they're going through, or they're just, uh, Fastidious. I'd rather have an actor who's difficult that's fastidious about something because they're about the project. Right. I'd rather have that than someone who's going through some stuff that's not not um, focused. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know some some people that are difficult actors are some of my, my good friends. I mean Tyrese sometimes it can be difficult, but that's immaturity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's like mm-hmm. but when he's focused, he's like on the shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah. um, it's all a a different degree. It depends on the person, I think. Okay. Mm. You know. Cool. I don't and on 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 an addition to that, how do you deal with um difficult um executive types in regards to knowing full well it's a, you know, it, it, it's a, you know, a seesaw of when you get to to be on top and when they get to I mean, what's your what hey, I'm, 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 I'm asking. Kind of, I'm kind of I'm the wrong person to ask because I I've always kind of been abusive to executives that don't. <laughs> well, seriously, I'm not trying to make you laugh. No, I've always mm-hmm. been like, uh, this is my fucking vision. I'm only here to make you know, like I'm making you look good. Now you're fucking with my shit. This makes us. We're all gonna lose. Like they used to be. I know you guys different 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 projects where certain people may not want something in the script because it makes them uncomfortable as a person, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. because it's right for the project. And so I'm the guy putting that out. Like, oh, you don't want Jody to go down on her after she he slapped accidentally slapped her because you're nervous. Mm-hmm. Now 
he should go down on her because if he has sex with her, then it crosses the line. Mm. He's trying to be manipulative. And sex. I've had these conversations. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want this guy to shoot this guy because he. I said no. It's, that's the whole. Th- you know, I've had. Mm. <laughs> I've had these. <laughs> I swear, man. I've had the, the the stuff that I've gone through. I told you about the Rosewood thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were cutting, gonna cut scenes out and whatever. And I was like, hey, I threatened. I said, the person's gonna get their ass whipped again. Mm. Like, I, I didn't. I didn't work. I didn't work for a long time after that. You know what I mean? I but. Mean, but I, I love that. If we talk about Baby Boy for a second, just going to that, I mean, the, that film to me was like one of the most realist, rawest, emotional experiences of relationships yeah. that I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. I'm talking about from every level where well, that, you have people arguing with each other about why is she going back to him? Why is it do? Why is that? And, and you know you did it though. You went back to that same dude and why are you mad at her now? <laughs> and that that Because he's cute. He's he's wrong for you. Like how were you cute. able how were you able to get that film through when there are so many people that probably would have looked at it and read the script and been like, well but no, John I, I can't because I, I did a lot of stuff when I was coming off shaft and oh, that's right. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I want to come back to do a movie at Columbia and you know they were making a lot of different films and then um, the you know they were fueling what they were doing off of what the home video of different movies mm-hmm. were. like you know I can get a movie made because my other movies have catalog value mm-hmm. you know what I mean so mm-hmm. they continue to show on everything right mm-hmm. and so that's why that script is like you know I could have thrown them you know Jody eats cheese, you know. But, but, but I was like, I want to do this movie. I want Final Cut. I want to do. I want to do it in the way it's a ghetto romance. It's like, mm. you know, um, a lot of that. If you look at the movie again, a lot of that movie is influenced by Raging Bull. Oh, that's oh, okay. That movie. I never looked like, at it that way. Now I'm starting to look at it through that lens. There's like, there's like street. Like, there's um, there's some good stuff in there where like. And plus, I just my attitude was just like I just want to do a movie. Where I don't give a fuck. I want to do something mm. so it's so hood that like the hood people get it, but certain people are offended. Where the the humor is so it's funny but offensive. Like you know yes. when Rodney gets up and and looks at the killer and says, "Hey, little you scrub, you made a fort," and he gets up and kicks the little boy and yep. stuff. Like, fuck <laughs> little fort. Little <laughs> and then and then the kid says, "I hate you." He says, "I hate you too." <laughs> like it's just like it's That's it's real. mean. But it's like funny, like mm-hmm. and like you know, it's just like oh my god, these people, uh-huh. right? You know, but that's our family. That's, that's it. No, we that people. is it. Bing sure. Rains in the kitchen, butt naked. Wait, I was just about to say that. Yo, wait, Bing Rains in the kitchen, butt yeah. naked. I yeah. said, like wow. nobody's bit, like, like nobody's bit, like like yo. Oh, what you up? want some like, meat? What you want some Kool Aid? What's some Kool Aid? Kool Aid. Breakfast? What's some breakfast? Like no big deal. Oh man, he just slammed your mom, and he's going back, and he's got your mama's grease on his all over. That was raw. That was, yeah, that was raw. That was raw, right? Raw, raw, raw. But yeah. also on, on that on that note, even let, let's take it back to even something. Shout out to AJ. A little, yes, <laughs> a little bit more, like I guess not nuanced, but a little bit more in in the uh, in the in the classic style. Mm-hmm. When you did um, when you did uh, high learning. Mm-hmm. To me, I mean, that's so relevant today. Like yeah. right now, I mean, there are certain nuances about that film that I think some people like, you know, miss. Mm-hmm. And like for me, I look at every single nuance. Like when 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 Omar's running up the stairs and they're chasing after Rappaport, but I mean, they're chasing after, and they, they grab Omar. Yeah. And like it's just a it's little moment. It's a little moments yeah. like that. I'm like, what? I like, and that's happening now to this day. I mean, you were like some. So you had you have an eight magic eight ball or Let something. Let me see you your did ID. That? No, it's race. No shit changed in terms of race. Mm. You know, he almost shot two people and everything and stuff, and it's like, 
he's getting away with a gun, and, and, the, and the black dude is just running, trying to catch him, and the security guy goes, "Let me see your ID." What you did this in my yeah, fire. I did this. <laughs> you saw me last week. You know I'm a student. I mean, it was so amazing, and it was also you know very close to you know my experiences at college in regards to the, the black dorm with the black folks and how you know the white you know you had to go and handle the white problem sometime, and you had that one student that was a super senior was always there, and he was super <laughs> super senior. He is super senior. Super senior. Super He's always there. He's got all the young bras. Yes. All of them. And he's super militant too, like the, the white man's holding me back. Right. <laughs> and I mean, you hit every nuance on there. And then oh, oh, so much so, even now, to the point of, you know, skinheads and the Nazism, which is rising now fast, thanks to the 45th president, whose name I will not even stand and come out of my mouth. So, I mean, but when you did that film, I mean, were you basing it on a little bit of your USC experience, or was it really more so like you, you know, pulled it, it from the headlines? It wasn't USC. It was from, they said that movie was that movie was a movie that I pitched to Jonathan Demme. Um, when Jonathan Demme, when I, when I was in film school at USC, I was a senior, and Jonathan Demme his uh, his company read Boys in the Hood, and he was going to produce Boys in the Hood, mm-hmm. and then but he um, he wanted me to write a screenplay for him based on the headlines of these racial incidences at college and campuses. Ah. This is in early 1990. Mm. And, um, you know, I didn't end up doing it with his company. I ended up doing it with uh, Columbia, mm. um, uh, Boys in the Hood. And so I kept that idea for myself and wrote it for myself. Mm. Oh, wow. So I, I was going to write that screenplay for, to, for Demi to direct. Oh, for Demi to direct? Yeah, because oh, I, wow. I was a screenwriter at first. I, I, I was signed by CA while I was in college. So, I, you know, they couldn't tell me shit at USC. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm black. I'm like, because right. I'm with so, CAA. CAA. So was the script of Boys in the Hood that got you signed to CAA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Boys in the Hood and another one. Another but before one. it got made, though. It was before it got just made. in the script before, stage. Way before it got made. Oh, and that's wow. based off the fellows. Huh? The, the fellowship? The, the Nichols Fellowship? No, I didn't get Nichols. I, got, I, I, won, um, I won the Jack Nicholson uh, Award. Um, I won it. I won it actually two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! <laughs> Pat myself on the back. Oh wow! It's an award that Jack Nicholson used to have at USC, where he gave money to the best screenplay, and I, so I ended up running it two years in a row. They hated me. <laughs> <laughs> they, hated me. Was like, they were envious. Yeah, they were envious. I with, just got it. Somebody actually said he just got no, no, no. I just got the, I just got the privilege of directing the movie because I'm black. He just got it because he's black. Oh, I hate, no, I hate you that. don't get shit because no, you're black. No, you do not. I in this hate world, that. you get you get the. You get the boot because you're black. You yes, don't get nothing. You get I said, the oh, how stupid do you sound? You just got it because you're black. Oh, I can't <laughs> See, believe you said that. Giving things up. That's 30 some years ago. I'm still mad about that. <laughs> 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 and black. rightfully so. And yeah, rightfully you're so. You're still involved over there, See, with the love. Oh, yeah, very yeah. much. I teach their account occasion. Um, yeah. I teach a course on my own design called um, uh, The Emergence of Multicultural Cinema. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, nice. It goes through the history of American film. Um, I start the first movie I show is Birth of a Nation. Oh, no. Okay. I give a lecture on Birth of a Nation. Mm-hmm. Not as a, um, I, I, I describe it and break it down as a science fiction film. Mm. Um, oh, that's, because, uh, that's hilarious. Because science fiction films always speak to the fears of, of, of a society at the time. Mm-hmm. So if you ever really watch it, you should watch it as filmmakers. It shows, like, you know, a black militia group coming to rise in the South. And they're taking all the white women, mm-hmm. and subjecting <laughs> everybody, subjecting white people to poverty. They're like, you know, running at the political structure. So it's like it's 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 Star Wars in a different way. It's like Damn. it speaks to the fears. I of, never thought about it. Science. I didn't either. I haven't watched it through that lens. Now. So yeah. you know, wow. and cool. so like they have to be destroyed. They have to. These black people, you gotta destroy these people because they will take 
yeah. over. It's a survival thing. Wow. So you know, yeah, I have to watch it through that lens. I have to rewatch it now. Wow. And that, when are you doing the next course? When I have time, yeah, I'm about so to, you don't busy. have any time. I'm yeah, so busy. No, I'm, I'm, I want to because it, it keeps me alive and fresh to really talk to to students about different things and show different films that even I haven't watched in a long time. And it's like it's really really fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. there's one lecture that I give. Uh, it's about how Borch humor saved uh, ch- changed Hollywood, and I lecture on um, Mel, uh, uh, the Marx Brothers. Um, Woody Allen and Mel Brooks. Wow! But in my lecture, I start off with Richard Pryor, picture of Richard Pryor, mm. and so um, and so, and I talk about how Richard Pryor is my favorite comedian, who's my who's my ultimate storytelling guru. Right. And then I go into the Marx Brothers and I show a clip from Duck Soup. These kids have never even seen Duck Soup from the Marx Brothers. Wow. Oh wow! Rufus T. Firefly and and Groucho Marx, and I phrase it on Groucho Marx, and I do a lecture about how they they started in, in vaudeville, which was. Um, which was uh, um, right after what's known as the Yiddish Theater. All these people came from Eastern Europe mm-hmm. you know, into, into, into New York. And their, uh, so their sons and daughters went into vaudeville from the Yiddish Theater and did comedy routines and all this stuff, right? Mm. And I talk about the Marx Brothers. And I freeze on uh, Ultra Marx as Rufus T. Firefly with the big, mm-hmm. big mustache. Mm-hmm. And then I flip. I said, now let's go travel in the future, 70-some odds in the future. And it goes from Ultra Marx to Borat. Oh, oh, nice! He's next door. Nice. Oh, yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so then, so then, it's I showed the wildest scene of Borat where he's chasing around that they're both oh, chasing naked, yeah. and I show it right, and they just go crazy and everything, mm-hmm. and then we have a break, and then nobody comes back to class. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> and, but maybe it was a Friday, but. I, I, I didn't know if I shocked them too much or they just mm-hmm. cause these kids hadn't even seen Borat yet. Mm-hmm. Wow. Some, some people don't even watch movies from the last five years. Yeah. When it, oh my God. I, I mean like, you know, yeah. and I said, did I offend some people? And they said, no, no, it's just Friday. But then we go, we go from there to, um, to uh, Woody Allen, you know, and, um, and some of his films and then I show, uh, and then I sit, then I talk about, now here's Mel Brooks. Mm. And I talked about, show some scenes from Mel Brooks' films, the producers, um, uh, young Frankenstein um, and, um, and you know, Frankenstein and then I said now there was a time in which um, when Bob Brooks was a comedian and a drummer in, um, in the Lower East Side I mean the Lower uh, West Side in the village where he was doing comedy and he had a friend and his friend was another comedian named Richie Pryor mm. and so um, they became friends in the early 60s and then, Who knew that story? so yeah. so then so now Mel Brooks so Mel Brooks goes and he ha- he's having a lot of success. He's done the producers. He's done Young Frankenstein, and he wants to make this movie. And this movie is called he, the tentative title was called Tex X, but he didn't have an authentic black vision for this black cowboy. So he calls his old buddy Richard Pryor to come in and and help with these other writers who who work with Mel you know for many many years, and they they throw around some ideas, and this movie becomes. One of the best comedies ever made, yep. mm-hmm. right? Blazing it Saddles. talks about race and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And then I show Blazing Saddles, and it's just like, yes. and it's just like, mm. they like, what? They've never yeah. seen Blazing Saddles. Yeah. And I'm like, where the white women at? funny. Excuse me while I whip it out. <laughs> but, when I'm, but when I'm teaching and I, and I watch these older films that inspire me, it, you know, when I was just formulating what I wanted to do, it helps me think about what I want to do in the future. You see mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, to a student or a young filmmaker mm-hmm. with all this content, mm-hmm. what what kind of 
map would you lay out for them? Like, uh, I mean, because like you said, a lot of you, for example, you, you're a student of film mm-hmm. and you study a lot of film. Mm-hmm. So, what would you tell a young filmmaker to his best, he or she's best approach at studying film to have a more well-rounded point of view before they start making films? To read, um, to read, read different literature, read, listen to different forms of, of music, be a student of, uh, of all the arts. That's the only way you're going to make it as a filmmaker to really to be open to all the arts. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I said, you know, like you know, you can't just be think about the world in a prism. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I think. Uh, what I what 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 really bites me about some people that don't understand other people's cultures. Like we, as black people, we got to know other people's cultures to yep, survive. Yep, right, people yep. don't know have to know who we are and mm-hmm. don't have to really fucking care who we are. Mm-hmm. We, as, as a matter of our survival, we have to be open to different things yep. to navigate things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, but as a filmmaker, that's even more so. You have to mm-hmm. be open, you know. Yeah. You can't just live your life in a prison. That is, that is 100% that is true. And, yeah. and, and with that said, going forward, you know, are you know? Because it seems like you and Spike have the the same kind of you know uh, unspoken mission of you know raising up young filmmakers and putting people out there and teaching. Because I know he teaches at Tisch and, and you teach at USC. Mm-hmm. And so going forward, is that going to be you know? Are you going to try and like do one of those master classes, something that goes out in, in, on the internet, or are you no, going to try I and tackle it? You just no. want to still keep it face to face, live in person. Doing that, they getting they getting paid money to do that. If oh, I is that what it's for? Yeah, of course. Those people get they taking down money to do that. I mean, uh, you know, if I do that, I ain't making no movies for a while because they <laughs> they they're getting coin to do that. I mean, I guess as, as a company that they'll, they'll hire a prominent actor or whatever, say, hey, we need your name, we'll talk for a little while. But if I do it, you know, first of all, I'm, I am going, I'm going for the money. <laughs> but I'm a, people will learn something. Remember, I did it at ABF, ABFF a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I could yeah. teach it a whole lot. But hey, right now I'm too busy trying to get. Couple movies made. I'm trying to continue to get um, keep the show going and get some other shows going and money planting my ground and 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 what I have to do right now. So mm-hmm. I don't have time to teach. So yeah. what inspires you now? Hmm? What inspires you now? Me, just to have fun with it, man. Mm-hmm. Just to have fun with it. Just do the different things that people won't do. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you know, you know um, that's what inspires me. Okay. Mm. All right, here's my last question. Mm-hmm. Your top five films. Uh-oh. Of life, top five films. Uh oh, here we no, go. I can't answer that. Here we go. I can't answer that. That's too typical a question. <laughs> Plus, I can't do it now because I love too many movies. Mm. So, so, like, you, like you, you, if somebody asked you that twenty years ago, your answer would be different than absolutely. Right now, mm-hmm. right? You're right? So it's like you know, like I can't do it now. I mean, like the films that inspired me back then, I look at them in a different prism right now. You know what I mean? Um, you know. Um, it's, it's it's hard. It's too hard. Okay, let me modify yeah. it then. Uh-huh. Five films that have impacted you the most. Okay, okay, okay. But they're not my favorite. They're not your favorite. favorite. No, not, not your favorite. Not your favorite. Not your favorite. Not your favorite. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. which impacted you most. Yeah, right. preface. Yeah. I know. Uh, Coolie High. Okay, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaws. Okay. Taxi Driver. Uh-huh. Um. There's a movie you guys are probably younger than me. Remember this movie it was it was kind of after school special that came out in the early seventies. You probably seen it in repeats. Um, it was called JT with with, with um, Robert Hooks. Um, it was about a little kid in Chicago, man. Oh, you saw JT was a little kid in Chicago. He lived in the inner city. He had this um, he had this stray cat. He was he was he was he was stealing um, 
cans of tuna from the liquor store and fading the straight cat. Huh. What? Is this, is this like before Cornbread LME? Or is this like way before Cornbread? This, wow. this, this came out in 1969. I'm when I was look. a little kid, but it repeated on ABC all the time. And after school, after that, in the middle of that. Wow. Oh, I'm JT? Gonna, I'm going to have to look for that. JT, I'm going to have to look um, that up. And um, let me see. What That's else? four. You need one more. Oh, and The Godfather, of course. The Godfather. Okay. It always goes, because I used to look at The Godfather every weekend all through high school. You know what I mean? Like, so it's really, really sucked it in culturally. Like, it's like, okay, you know, everything I studied, so just, that, that's how I learned. Mm. It's like, okay, this is this, and this, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I did that with West Side Story, but that's how I learned how to dance. <laughs> I was yeah. like, mm. West Side Story, yeah. <laughs> it's just perfect. I got a question for you, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, now that you've moved over to TV the last couple of years, mm. when you, now that you're a creator and a, and a, and a showrunner, so how do you staff, you know, your writers and stuff like that? If you mind me asking a question like that? We just, we have to read a lot of material and then sit and, and talk to people, mm-hmm. you know, um, and see, uh, you know, if they're up to working the tasks of, uh, on the show, what they have to offer to, because right. a room is like a band, you know what I mean? Room, mm-hmm. Putting the room together is like a band, mm-hmm. you know, so... Well, John, listen, let me tell you something. We appreciate you coming out on Saturday and dropping so many gems on us and just continuing to be the leader that you are. And and, uh, just for you guys listening, uh, John is also the co-chair of the African-American Steering Committee over at the Directors Guild of America, along with myself and uh, Courtney Franklin. And, you know, he puts in work everywhere and in every place he can. So I appreciate you taking your time out, coming right back from the airport and taking a minute to talk to us. And we're looking forward to the more, more stuff from you. And we're going to follow you in every film and every TV show. Thank you. And and, and hopefully you're going to do some 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 animated stuff and some documentary stuff. We want to see see John. We want to see the John Singleton name on so many different things. So kudos. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you for coming out. Thank you, man. From the bottom of my heart. Appreciate it. Oh, it's no, no, no apology necessary. We're here for you. We're here for you, man. So we appreciate you coming, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for bringing him. Yes, thank thank you you so much. Yes, out of your day as well. Yes, (laughs) that is it, you all. Uh, This is our first one. Want to thank you all for joining us. Hopefully, uh, you guys got some things from it. More to come. Uh, More to come. We're gonna do Spike too. We're gonna let him hear this one. So, Bert. Yes, sir. So, once again, as we conclude this podcast, yes, we want to say thank you once again for joining us. Hey, thank you, Carl Seaton. Uh, you can find you can find me at uh, Mr. Carl C on all those social media handles. You can find me on Instagram Bird Jeff B Y R D J E F F and on um, Facebook as Jeff Bird. That's me. Yeah. That's all. And uh, thank you, Carl. Thank you, Hilliard. And as always, guys, and uh, rest in peace, combat. Yes, man up, woman up, dream those dreams. Yeah, man up, woman up, dream those dreams, live those dreams. Because life is not in black and white. It is in radio, Technicolor, and surround sound. <laughs> there it is, you dig? Show sure enough. All right, y'all, peace. We are out. Hey, cool. Hey. I'ma say what I feel, and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. So you wanna be a rider? Well, you 
gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed In the rent room, we let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hillier He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Red Room